I want to get a bit into the traumas since you are a trauma specialist, right? Adoption trauma specialist. So like, what do you typically deal with in your work? Uh, what do people typically go to you for? I've been in the uh, adoption profession uh, or uh, the uh, adoption therapy profession uh, for about uh, 10 years now. I've seen uh, a number of situations where what gets uncovered um, is that there's uh, uh, trauma from the, the parents, from the adopted parents and their, their families, uh, unresolved issues and things uh, from when they grew up, uh, how they were raised, um, their attachment styles, uh, their sense of relationships and what's healthy and what's not. Um, so I wanted to open this up to uh, the other side to all this is we're looking at um, historic trauma, intergenerational trauma. What does that mean? And really what that means is from one generation to the next that uh, traumatic experiences uh, that aren't resolved Get passed whether down. individually or systemically in the family or societally, uh, mm -hmm. it all gets passed down. I mean, I know one thing that parents do quite often with raising their children is teaching their children their own fears. So they often teach their children to not do things or be careful of things because they themselves have a traumatic experience or that was passed down to them through their parents. And, you know, it goes on generations and generations of trauma. You're just reliving somebody else's trauma for generations. Uh, but how is that specific to adoption? For intercountry and transracial adoptees, um, there's uh, just a number of losses right up front. It's not just the loss of the parents or the loss of the mother, it's the loss of the country, it's the loss of the culture, it's the loss of the heritage, um, it's the loss of the experiences that they would have, uh, you know, to, to, be, uh, to feel like they belong uh, to their native culture and their native uh, country. Mm -hmm. um, so just there's that, uh, you know, going into it. Um, and then uh, what I see typically is none of this gets addressed. None of this gets um, uh, uh, resolved mm -hmm. for that child. And what we know now about trauma, it's held within the body, it's body memory. It's uh, held within the brain where the brain then starts uh, acting more like a traumatized brain. Uh, so that child then uh, lives in fear. And so because of that, uh, what I say, there are the four Fs. There's the fight and flight, which has been around for a while. Uh, there's freeze. And then there's fawn. And what I see typically is uh, on, on a daily basis, regular day, this child is activated. Um, their trauma is activated. They're, it's, they're being triggered. And so they're always in this fight, flight, freeze, fawn mode. If you think about a, a baby bird that falls out of the nest mm -hmm. or any time the, uh, the mama bird flies off to get breakfast, it becomes a life and death situation for, the, for that baby. Mm, I see. Right? I see. There's no shelter. There's no roof. There's no, you know, 
I mean, some animals, they do bury holes and they do, you know, hide their babies, but uh, really that sense of protection and safety and security that uh, that parent is able to offer, uh, whenever they're, they're gone, it becomes a life and death situation. So mm-hmm. what that does for us is it creates that sense of all or nothing, catastrophic thinking, uh, life and death scenario. Interesting. So they don't even have to remember it for it to be imprinted in their brain. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is more of an imprint. It is something that the body just inherently, whenever you get shocked, right? Whenever you get surprised, you have a physiological reaction. Mm-hmm. And depending on what, what it might be that shocks you, Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be, you know, just a little trauma or it could be, a, you know, a very big trauma, right? right. Um, well, I uh, think, yeah, this goes a lot with the attachment theory thing uh, with how, you know, children that have secure attachments, uh, they learn that their parents, when their parents leave, say to go to work, they're going to come back and they're going to, you know, give them lots of hugs and cuddles and take care of them and be there for them. Or but if the parent is not going to be there emotionally, and this is just for attachment theory, like you don't have to be adopted. Or, or have different caretakers for this. Lots of people have have insecure attachment issues. So either anxious attachment, of course, or or avoidance, or anxious avoidant, or like there's a whole bunch of subcategories. It gets kind of complicated, but yeah, it, it's it's like on a higher level of that. Of is the parent going to be here for you? Like, do you mm-hmm. learn that at a very young age? Very young age, when you're an infant, when you're when you're one, two, three years old, toddler, whatever. Like, do you learn that? that, you know, your parents are going to come back to you and that they're going to be there for you? Or do you learn that they're not emotionally, you know, that they're, they're going to ignore you emotionally or they're going to abuse you emotionally or they're going to, like, whatever, punish you emotionally? Um, and those create, interestingly enough, they create uh, a- attachment issues later on. So, mm-hmm. you know, of course, in my example, um, and yeah, I don't really talk about this a lot, but you know, I can't be a hypocrite if I'm breaking taboo and asking you questions, right? It's a, right. So, um, um, and all of of course humanizing, I, you know, humanizing everyone, including myself. But yeah, in my instance, it was of course it's just like, um, uh, what imprinted in me. I don't even remember, but it must have. Where my parents just never came back. They just never came back. You know, first it was one parent. He never came back, and then. My other parents just never came back. And then when I was thrown into new caretakers, um, and then there was this whole thing where I wasn't supposed to like be nice to my grandmother. I wasn't supposed to love her because there were like tensions. My family is like a whole complicated thing. And then, you know, and then you start to doubt like who, who your caretakers are and who your, whose side you're supposed to be on. So it was very traumatic. And that's why it's taken me a whole lifetime, lifetime of self-development and work and, and psychology to get to where I am today. And I'm definitely happy and proud to say that I am now of a secure attachment style. I like, like I have taken multiple tests multiple times and, and uh, you know, read enough about it and, and been in, uh, you know, multiple relationships where I know that I have finally gotten over my, um, I used to be avoidant. <laughs> it made okay. me an avoidant, <laughs> avoidant attachment. So, um, yeah, but it's taken me a long time and I'm finally secure. Interestingly enough, there are people out there who have not gone through those same traumas that I have or have not even gone through that difficult of traumas and they're still 
not secure <laughs> attachment. There's a lot of that happening in relationships that cause a lot of drama in relationships. Where, so that's why I always say like people, when you're getting into relationships, like one of the major things you should find out is what is your attachment style and how does that play into effect? Because that's going to follow you for the rest of your life if you don't try to, uh, you know, get yourself to a secure attachment style. Mm. Um, and it's going to affect the way that you raise your children. So just like what you were saying, Moses, right bringing your trauma to your children's trauma right just carrying on that trauma um mm -hmm. but anyway i digress i don't know how i started talking about this <laughs> no no thank you uh, thank you for for bringing it up um and and, and i'm i'm uh uh happy for you you know that you've reached a a, a sense of you know secure attachment for yourself um and that you've you've done the work on yourself. This is so important. Uh, it is uh, really one of the cornerstones for my practice and the way that I that I uh, work with my clients is I work first with building that self awareness, and and it is vitally important um, that we all do that, um, whether you need therapy or not. You know that we're always self reflective. That we're always looking at um, uh, at ourselves and and, and in a way, for me, it's matching uh, who I am with uh, my principles, with my values. Uh, am I really in sync with myself? And then on the other side to this, going back to the trauma side, is am I really in touch with my body? Am I really connected? Am I fully attached uh, with uh, what's happening in my body? All the different systems of the body are connected where we see uh, a number of uh, older adoptees uh, developing certain kinds of diseases or certain kind of eating disorders or certain kind of uh, autoimmune dis disorders. Um, you know, we're, we're understanding uh, that the body is under a lot of stress, right? And we know that a lot of adoptees uh, have trouble sleeping. We know that they have nightmares. Um, and so the body is constantly on about being triggered about their, about this trauma um, that is not in the conscious awareness, right? Um, unless you really start uncovering uh, these things. And it's useful, it's helpful to understand uh, what might be going on physically first. I pay close attention to anniversaries of certain traumas. Uh, so that could be times a day, that could be times a week, that could be uh, certain times a month, uh, certain times of year. For me, I do find myself being uh, caught up in a, uh, a cyclic kind of uh, um, pattern. You know? mm -hmm. So the more I'm paying attention to this, uh, the more I'm able to one, not be so stressed about it, mm -hmm. not beat myself up about it. Uh, I'm able to be more forgiving, be more, to be more gentle with myself. Uh, so I'm, I'm able to then respond to what my body needs uh, mm -hmm. and be able to get through that, that part of the cycle uh, a, lot, a lot easier. Um, I, feel so, like, uh, mm -hmm. I feel like that happens to women <laughs> once every month <laughs> you're, you're saying what cycle of the month <laughs> it's just 
Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you could say, Serena, you know, we, we're all connected to nature. We're all, I mean, we're, we, we, we have to remember, you know, that we did come from this earth, uh, right. you know, and, and, and so it makes sense, you know, that mm -hmm. we pay that closer attention to natural cycles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I just want to point out, I mean, like, uh, there are, uh, you know, yoga practices, there's, there's other kind of movement kind of therapies, um, you know, singing therapy, music therapy, drama therapy, anything that helps you, you know, be in touch with your body. And oh, yeah, absolutely. Have it flow through you. Oh, I forgot. I wanted to talk to you, Moses. <laughs> that just reminds me. One of the things that we spoke about, Moses is actually a man of many talents. He does many different things. Yeah, not just uh, LMFT um, and adoption uh, uh, specialties. Um, we were talking about this during our initial phone call, but we realized we had this in common where we both enjoyed doing many different things, a lot of diverse, um, mm. diverse, uh, just we're all over the place actually. And uh, people are often surprised uh, when they find that out about me because they get to know me in one category and then for some reason, just like, oh, that's who she is, labels, you know, like, oh, she's a founder of a mental health nonprofit. And then they're like, wait, you do this and this and this and you've had this in your background it's interesting because i get in this conversation a lot with creatives people that are creative in the brain oftentimes do do many different things because that's just the way that our brains work um and i happen to be creative and entrepreneurial so you know i have i have mm. both and it's like sometimes it's a battle sometimes it really is a battle in my brain like <laughs> it's today my entrepreneurial logic day or it's today my creative day you know and both need fostering in their own way uh mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I managed to make it work and I can't ever imagine my life just going down like one straight path. So I was quite curious when Moses told me all the things that he did, which, you know, you'll have to share all the many things that you do, Moses. Uh, but uh, yeah. being an LMFT, being a therapist, you know, because I'm pretty sure I even had therapists tell me, like, <laughs> you should focus on one thing, you know, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't, of course, they, they didn't come from a creative background. So I'm quite curious about your thoughts on this, Moses. So first of all, what do you do? What are the many things you do? <laughs> I am also a creative. Uh, I, I do photography and I've, I've done uh, you know, uh, what I call uh, my version of fine art landscape photography. And um, <clears throat> I have... Uh, also done more uh, commercial work, uh, you know, headshots and portraits uh, as well. Um, I've seen your photography site. Yes, very cool. Thank you, thank you. Quite artistic. Definitely does not look like a therapist site, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you, thank you. Um, I uh, ha have also been um, uh, a consultant uh, supervisor, um, a mentor. Uh, I have uh, founded the uh, the Guide Foundation, um, which is a nonprofit, and, mm -hmm. and, and it's a, a nonprofit. We're going into our fourth month, and um, the the mission there is basically to save lives in the intercountry transracial adoptee community. Uh, and we are building out programs uh, for education and mental health awareness. Uh, 
so a lot of great creative things are going on there. Um, so I've really gotten what I, what I considered to so, be. Sorry, I, I just want to stop you, but you said a lot of good creative things are going on there when you mentioned building up programs for education and intergroup mm -hmm. awareness. So I find it very interesting because a lot of people don't think that that takes the creative side of the brain, but it really does. You know, um, entrepreneurship is actually quite creative, I think. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, when you're building programs, you do need to come up with things. It's, it's like inventions, like inventors are quite creative, you know. So, so yeah, I just wanted to point that out because a lot of people see them as separate and you're kind of diving into, you know, what we were talking about. Like, no, it doesn't necessarily have to be separate. Like a lot of times they're, they mesh together for a reason. Mm -hmm. But yeah, sorry, cut you off. Uh-huh. What else? What else <laughs> no. do you do? <laughs> no, that's right. Um, I, I, I really was, was coming to the end and, and, and saying that um, for me, it, it's, I, I, I put it, uh, it's working on all cylinders. Uh, you know? What does that mean? <laughs> um, it, it means taking all, all, the, all the different sides and one day it could be all creative things, uh, you know, or it could be more... Um, problem solving and analyzing and, and, you know, figuring things out. Um, some, a lot of days it's doing, you know, every, you know, on both sides, it's doing it all. Um, and I've, uh, I've been finding myself um, being, uh, being aligned with others who are finding ways to bridge their many selves uh, together. And mm -hmm. so, you know, to answer your, your question. Uh, I think you need to again pay attention to uh, to your spirit, to what you what you're wanting to do, um, and uh, there really is no one right way. Uh, right, there is no one right way to live your life the way that you want to live it. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, for me, it's a lot about just empowering you and just being that much more aligned with. Uh, with what you want to do, your passion, uh, your values. Um, do you think that's a, a better for mental health? Absolutely. Uh, and it goes back to this idea of being connected, you know, so you, you have a relationship with your, with yourself and the more connected you are with yourself. Uh, yeah. I think the more fulfilling, the more meaningful, uh, life experiences you'll have. So I'm very fascinated to hear what kinds of, uh, creative things and things are you <laughs> Oh, it's all up there in my bio on our website. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, well, let's see. I'm a writer. I love writing, but I love all forms of writing. So even in that, I'm quite creative because some writers will only write one form, one medium. Like some painters will only work with oil. Some artists will work with all canvases. Um, I like that as a writer. I love writing poetry. Um, working on my novel for many years now, but I wrote two. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I write scripts. So I'm in the entertainment industry uh, in Hollywood. Um, that's why I'm in LA. So I've done a lot of script writing, um, co-collaboration projects, which is great because writing can be a very solitary profession. And I would say that, you know, that's good and bad in the sense where like spending so much time by yourself, cranking out things like writing is, it's quite, you have to be very comfortable with being alone, you know? So, um, so script writing though, you can collaborate. That's, it's really fun. Uh, I love writing songs. I have a background in music. I originally moved out to Los Angeles uh, on a scholarship for concert piano. 
So, <laughs> so I play piano. I also teach on the side. Um, I never want to forget my music. So, you know, I, uh, I find it very fulfilling to teach uh, families and kids and people that, that want, want to have the gift of learning music. Um, I also won, I'm a recipient of the 25th annual LA Music Awards, which a lot of people don't know. I just only recently, only recently put that in my bio. Um, cause I used to, my thing is I used to hide a lot of this because like I used to hide a lot of sides of myself, uh, because every time I put on a hat, you know, I thought I, in order not to confuse people and not to, I guess, have to face judgment or just people, you know, who can't do all who can't do it all not believing that you can do it all type thing you know but now I think especially with the advent of so many influencers and creatives out there and stuff like everyone's seeing that there's like a surplus of people doing a bunch of different things you know it's like you're not just one thing a lot of people out there I'm seeing are are um multi-talented and doing well in all of their talents, you know, and, and finding ways to mesh them all together. So I think that really is the key, but yeah, I do a lot. Um, also owned a business before. So, uh, yep. <laughs> Entrepreneurial mindset type things have a background in psychology, personal development. So yeah, I don't know. It's like, I, I, wow. I like it. I enjoy it. Yeah. Wow. What can I say? However, I do know that I work a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that I rarely ever have time. So, you know, but life gets figured out. It's okay. I mean, you know, this is what's happening in my life right now. What else is happening during quarantine anyway, right? <laughs> so, you know, so time to concentrate on on all of this. And then, you know, we'll see what the journey brings. And um, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, but that was through one of my personal development courses, actually, that changed my life, um, where in it, you know, the whole concept was, like, some, one of the, my coaches was like, because um, I remember saying, like, oh, you know, if I do this, I'm going to have to sacrifice this, and if I do this, I'm going to have to sacrifice that, and, you know, like, I'm going to have to sacrifice so many things in order to do that, and then she was like, where is this coming from? Where is this story coming from? Because it's a story that you are creating. It's not, doesn't have to be your reality. Like you're the person telling yourself that. Why can't you do it all and have it all? Like, why can't you? Why can't you do it all? Like, who's telling you not to? And that actually really, really changed my life. And I found it so profound. And I'm all about empowering people to do the same, actually. So like, whatever you want to do, like, go out and do it. Go get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm hmm Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. That, that is, uh, wow, just in, incredible. Uh, my, my graduate studies really put me on that path of self-discovery, of really, you know, digging into myself. And, you know, say 20 years later, you know, I'm, I'm just starting to figure this out where it's been a journey of, oh, I can do this and it's okay to do that and kind of break through these uh, constructs and if you didn't know this, uh, your, your brain organizes information that way by labeling, by putting things categorically mm -hmm. together first. Mm -hmm. um, and it's in a way of breaking through that and saying, oh no, we need to get to the specifics. We need to get to what are the unique identifiers about me that I can offer the world, that I can offer my clients, that I can offer you know, whatever it is I'm doing. And it's that connection that has really... Um, 
uh, been turned on for me uh, to be doing what I'm doing today. Uh, it's been a, that kind of journey of, okay, I'm, I'm starting off here. Oh, and then I can actually expand out and I can do other things along the way that inform me you can do more, you know, and you're capable and you, in a way, you need to because uh, we all have that potential to mm -hmm. do more, to offer more, to offer something special to the world. And I think it's really important uh, to, um, to be the, the example as, 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 you're, as you are, you know, mm -hmm. and, and to say it is possible and it's necessary to have that fulfilled life, to have that sense of fulfillment and wholeness as a mm -hmm. human being. What do you mean by saving lives as far as um, talking about adoptees? Because, I mean, obviously, when we say saving lives with Breaking Taboo, we're talking about from suicide, um, uh, you know, and educating on mental health disorders. But what do you mean by adoptees? You mean like getting them adopted or, or their suicides or what do you mean? Mm, mm. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> we, we, we can, we can uh, have a whole other podcast about what saving lives mean. Okay. Um, uh, you know, there, so I'll bring up two things. Um, but first, uh, saving lives in that the suicide rate or the, uh, really it's the rate of suicide attempts is four times higher for adoptees than non-adoptees. Mm. Um, yes. Uh, the, uh, rate of addiction is almost two times higher. Um, mm. The uh, contributing factors include depression and trauma, um, anxiety, and uh, a whole host of other uh, diagnoses that often are masking the underlying trauma. You know, so we're diagnosed with ADHD, bipolar, borderline personality disorder, uh, uh, sometimes even uh, psychotic uh, disorders, um, because you know, we're so out of touch of, from things, eating disorders, uh, as well as addiction. Um, and uh, the interesting thing here is uh, the uh, diagnosis of reactive attachment disorder is uh, being pushed out by understanding that, no, this is really complex PTSD or complex trauma or oh, developmental trauma. Um, and uh, putting those pieces together uh, is really important. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're actually addressing the uh, rate of uh, attempted suicides in the uh, adoptive community, specifically the, the intercountry transracial adoptive community. Um, and for right now, we're focused on uh, Korean adoptees. Yeah, I mean, um, perhaps we can, you know, obviously we've already talked about this before and during our preliminary call, but uh, in the future, work together on uh, raising more awareness on these issues. What words of advice would you like to say to people out there who are experiencing adoption trauma? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What we are looking to do right now, uh, we are addressing the intergenerational trauma transmission 
We are addressing historic pain uh, and trauma. We are addressing the uh, rampant uh, racism that is spreading across uh, marginalized communities uh, uh, and uh, certainly the, the Asian uh, communities here in the US. Um, and for adoptees, uh, at this stage, when we think about uh, how we are actively creating history for the future generations, we have to be thinking about um, our contribution right now. And what I say is, it is so important for us to speak our truths to uh, what we call coming, come out of the fog, come out of the adoptee fog, um, coming out of uh, the experiences of internalized racism, uh, the experiences of being silenced, uh, the experiences of um, feeling alone and cut off from one another. So I, I say uh, it is vital that we come together, that we collaborate, that we bring the adoptee community together, uh, that we bring the inter-country inter transracial adoptee community together, that we bring the Korean uh, adoptee community together. Um, so on all, so many levels, it is understanding that we are just at the very beginning of building the foundation for an adoptee culture. Mm -hmm. And and so it's really important that we all, wherever we are on our journey, uh, to speak up, to show up, to uh, to be who we are, uh, and to know that we deserve to be here, uh, that uh, we are here, uh, and so we're not going to go away. Um, it's important to go after being seen and heard and validated for the experiences that, we, that we've all gone through. Uh, and to say, uh, for a lot of it, uh, it's not right. And that we have to uh, go after these reforms and we have to uh, do all of our parts to stop killing ourselves, to save uh, our own lives. So there will be future generations who won't be burdened with the kind of traumas that we've been burdened with. Uh, so just show up and speak up uh, yeah. and know that there are uh, other adoptees uh, who have arrived, who have awakened and are ready and willing to be supportive and, and, help, and help you through. Uh, we want to... Uh, be there for each other. Wow, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Love it, Moses. <laughs> really great work. And um, this was such an insightful, inspiring, amazing conversation uh, that I definitely feel like needs to be had. We're all in this together and uh, definitely check out guidefoundation.org as well as breaking-taboo.org for resources on mental health awareness, suicide prevention, and uh, in Moses's case specifically with adoption um, as well. So yeah, thank you so much. All right, have a wonderful night or day. <laughs> have a wonderful day, everyone. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.